Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, uh, you guys... Uh, you guys are kind of boring. Do you guys realize that? You're a little boring, you know? You know, the church is supposed to be a reflection of the pastor, right? So I like to get with it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Is anybody else with me? Yeah, she, she just said, have, you, have they met you? I know, right? Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Uh, People can get excited about a lot of things. We might better, might as well get excited about coming here, hanging out with everybody. Because the truth of the matter is, is the people that are all sitting around you are the ones that are going to be there for you whenever you go through a tough time. They just are. They just are. They really are. And so let's get a little pep in our step, man. We're coming out of winter. The, the, look, I even took the top off my Jeep this week. Come on now. If I did that, surely the heck, we can get a little pep in our step, right? Right. I felt the wind in my hair. We'll talk later, Leah. Talk later. Hey, look, I'm so glad you guys have chose to join us today. I really am. I do, I do, and I'm glad you've chosen to chose to join us at home as well. I do have a little bit of a message for you before the message, and it's this. It really is. It's time to return. Okay, that's the message I have for you. And especially those people watching from home, it's time to return. What do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. It's time to go ahead and come out of your hole. And return back to the fellowship here. That's the church. It is. I promise you this. You, you need to get off the couch. All right. Get in your car. Get you, you don't even have to do your hair. You can wear your jogging pants and your t-shirt you're wearing right now. I'm just talking to you at home. It's time to, re, it's time to return. Okay. It's time to return. Take your mask. I wear a mask up here. I wear a mask when I'm here all the time. I don't want to get COVID either. All right, but it's time to return because there's a huge difference between connected by video and being connected, being connected with everyone who's here. There really is. Our promise to you is this. We'll have hand sanitizer, everything. These chairs are all separated out by six feet. We've measured it down to the inch. Everything's separated out by six feet. You can sit in family groups. But here's the truth of the matter. Listen, if you can go to a restaurant and you can go to Kroger, you can come to church. You just can you just can. And I want to invite you. I really don't want a whole year of your life to be stolen. I don't want a year of depth. I don't want a year of things to be stolen when Jesus is the one that says he's the answer. He's the answer. Now, we promise you this. If the thing spikes again, we will do what we've always done. And that is, is we'll make the best decision for the church. We will. We'll have you in mind for the church. But I want to tell you, it's time to come back. It's time to come back. It really is. It really is. And I hope this doesn't offend anybody at home, but I'm just trying to tell you the truth. It's time to come back to, it's time to come back to the, to the church. It really is. And I want to invite you to do that. And here's the thing too. I want to invite you to start inviting friends to come here because you have friends right now that are going through things that they need to hear what is being taught here. Not because it's me, but because it's the scriptures. Are you with me? Get me out of the way. It's the scriptures. So I want to tell you another thing, too. I'm a liar. You're supposed to be shocked. No one was shocked. Everybody's like, okay, you're a liar. Listen, I'm a liar. I got, I got so deep into what we were talking about this week, and I was trying to take the last week and a half and cram it, the last 
chapter and a half of Hebrews and cram it all into this message. And I could not do it. And I decided, you know, a lot of times what we do is we start reading a book and we really love the book. How many people have books, be honest, how many people have books that you've read about halfway through and you've kind of stopped? Yes? Am I the only one? Yeah. Here's the thing you have to know. The best part's at the end. And I don't want to rush through the end. And so you're going to be stuck with Hebrews until Easter. All right? We're going through the... We're going through March, all right? We're going to go to Easter. I promise you I'm not preaching Hebrews on Easter Sunday. Okay, I'll do that. I'll promise you that. But we are going to go through because there are so much in this last chapter and a half that are so rich and so filled. Literally, we're doing four or five verses today. Next week, we're doing four or five verses. They're so filled with wisdom about our lives. And so I want you to know that I lied to you last week. I really thought I was going to be able to do it, but I can't do it. And I don't want to rush through. I really, really don't. Now, COVID's been really difficult for people. COVID's been very difficult for people because of this. It was completely, everybody was shut down. It was something we'd never been through. It was something that was kind of a shock to the whole world. And we all kind of experienced it together. But you know, COVID hasn't been so bad for certain areas of people's lives. I don't know about you, but COVID made me realize a lot of things. Some of the things I realized about COVID was that things that I thought were important weren't as important anymore. Are you with me? Things that I thought were important were, were really important were not as important anymore. And some of you may have made changes during, during COVID. Some of you may have made some major changes and said, you know what? I'm not going to live this way anymore. As a matter of fact, there's an expression, there's an expression when you, when you uh, uh, read stories and when you talk to people is, and I've heard this said, don't have your ladder up against the wrong wall. Are you with me? Don't put your ladder, don't get, put a ladder up against a house and climb all the way to the top and do all this work and do all this hard hardship and do all this striving. And when you get to the top, you realize your ladder was against the wrong wall. And there's a lot of people that have realized that their ladder was against the wrong wall. There's a lot of people that chose, you know what? Life's too short. Life's too short for this. There's a lot of people that have reconnected with their families. There's a lot of people reconnected with friends. There's a lot of people that realize, hey, these people I live with, they aren't so bad after all. They really aren't. Now, there's a few that realize, you know, they're pretty much as bad as I thought they were. But there's, for the most part, we've realized, man, God, they're really a blessing to God. So COVID hadn't been so bad in that area. But today, what I want to talk to you about is I want to ask you this question. What, what ladder do you have your, do you, what, 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 what house, what wall do you have your ladder up against? What ladder are you climbing? And that's the question that was asked by the people who were experiencing what the book of Hebrews is, uh, uh, is writing about. They were experiencing that. And so what I want to do is I want to go ahead and I'm going to remind you why we're here. The reason why we're here is this. Here's the goal. Here's the goal. The reason why I want those people that are sitting at home, I want you to come on back. Here's the goal. Because we want to help others experience God in real life. We want to help others experience God in real life. That's the goal. If you just come today and you do not take anything away from today, you just come sit and go, go out to eat. If you just do that, then our time here has been, has been kind of worthless. I want you to experience God in real life and I want you to help other people experience God in real life. It's the reason why we exist here at Real Church. That's why we exist. 
to help other people and to help you experience God in real life. And so today, let's open up the scriptures and let's see how we can take the word and put it into our own lives. It starts in verse 18, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. I'll tell you this, Hebrews chapter 12, if I were, if I were on a, uh, if I were on an island and they said you can have one chapter in the Bible, one chapter in the Bible, that's it. I would probably take Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, it could be because, uh, so far I've done like four messages on Hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to know next week, but I, I would take, I would take Hebrews chapter 12 because there's so much there. There's so much content there. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 18, <clears throat> says this. It says, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight, he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, no, you have come to Mount Zion. I'm going to stop right there. <clears throat> the people who we are discussing, the people that the letter is being written to are people that are trying to make a decision. Do I stay in the faith? Do I continue to follow Christ? Or do I go back to the way it was before whenever I was following the old law? Do I go back to the old law? Do I stay? Because when, if I stay, I get persecuted. If I don't, then I fit right in with everyone else. And he's saying this. He's saying, listen, I want you to understand something. <clears throat> You're real confused here. And I want to say something. A lot of church people are real confused as well. And you're going to see that as we go through the text. <clears throat> he's saying this. He's saying, you did not come to a mountain like Mount Sinai. You didn't do it. And Mount Sinai are all these things. He's talking about when they went out into the desert, when they left Egypt and went out into the desert of wondering is what they call it. The desert of wondering for 40 years, they were out in the desert because of their disobedience. They came to Mount Sinai and they had all of this fear. If you look at it in the, in the, in the, in, in the book of Exodus, you see this fear that's coming upon them at the very, they even said, Hey, do me a favor, Moses, do this. Tell God, don't ever talk to us again. Don't do it. We're all scared. That's what they said. Don't ever talk to us again. <clears throat> just, just, you, you just get the instructions and you tell us we don't want to hear from him anymore because we're all fearful. And there was gloom. And, and you can see it. You can see it. But the writer says this. The writer says, no, you, when you came to Christ, you didn't come to that mountain. And then he says this. No, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Let's keep going on in, in verse 23. You have come to, and I have this in my Bible, I have it highlighted. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come, here you go. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to sprinkled blood, which speaks of what? Forgiveness instead of vengeance like the blood of Abel. I want you to hear that. 
he's contrasting and comparing the blood of Jesus and the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel that was, that was taken down after the fall, that blood that was spilled because of Cain, that was vengeance. And he's telling the people, God is not wanting to be vengeful towards you. Christ, who is the fulfillment of what the law was intended to be anyway, the one that shows you how to act, that is not that. It is for forgiveness. It's for forgiveness. Basically, what he's saying is this. You can approach the throne. There's a connection there. And so that should tell you one thing. And here's some some things I want to tell you about this. Here's some things. And here's some things I think we've gotten confused. And I want you to hear this very clearly. The first thing is this. The law is a diagnostic. I want you to hear that. The law is a diagnostic. What do I mean by that? Well, the the, the law has no power. I want you to hear this. The law has no power to reconnect you to God. It has no power to reconnect you to God. None. None. You keeping, you keeping all of these rules and regulations has no power to connect you to God. Because if it did, then, it would, then the Bible would not be true because the Bible says it's not by your own works, but because of the faith that you have in Christ and because of what Christ did and because of his grace and mercy. That's what it says. So the law is a diagnostic. It's a diagnostic. What do I mean by that? Well, I've got a good friend. She's here today. Uh, Heather Bickert over there. She, I, I had a bum knee. Okay. I had a bum knee. I've got two bum knees now and a bum shoulder and I'm working on the other shoulder. All right. So it's 50. You know what I mean? Who knew? But I had a bum knee. And so I went in and, uh, and I, I was going to get x-rayed and sure enough, Heather came up and she goes, Hey, how are you doing? And I'm doing all right. I'm just limping. Oh, what's wrong? And she x-rayed my knee. Okay. She x-rayed my knee. Now, anyone that's ever had anything x-rayed before knows that when you go get an x-ray, you get it set and stuff. And so they're taking images of my knee, right? And you know, I would be a fool if I got down off the x-ray table and I looked at Heather and I said, okay, is it fixed? And she'd look at me like she does sometimes anyway, like I was crazy. She'd look at me and go, what are you talking about? What do you mean is it fixed? You see, the diagnostic was the x-ray. The diagnostic is a snapshot of possibly what is wrong. Okay? But here's what I want you to get. While the x-ray is beneficial at times, the x-ray has no power or knowledge to fix the problem. It's a diagnostic. It only tells us what is wrong. It only reveals the issue. And that's exactly what the law does. The law only reveals the issue. It only shows you the issue. And so if you are caught one time after another after another trying to keep all of these rules and regulations, then you are going to be miserable because there will be no solution to your problem because your good works is not good enough. Are you with me? You will get in a cycle over and over again 
being shown over. And it would be like you going in, me getting an x-ray and her telling me, okay, the x-ray's done. And me walking out and limping out and going right past the, the, my room where I was supposed to see the doctor at and going right outside and leaving. And the next day coming again and, hey, I need to get my x-ray. And Heather saying, okay, well, I need a paycheck. Get up on the table. <laughs> Boom. And then me leaving and coming back the next day and saying, hey, I need an x-ray. And then I need an x-ray. Well, that would be foolish, wouldn't it? It would be foolish. But that's exactly what a lot of us do because, and these people were doing, they were going, they had their ladder up against, they were starting to look at this ladder where it wasn't Sinai, it was Sinai, it wasn't Zion. It was the law, it wasn't Christ. And he's saying this, he's saying, listen, you, you were, that's not the mountain we came to because the law is a diagnostic. It identifies our weaknesses. It, it provides some kind of moral boundary, but it gives no remedy for when you break the moral boundary. It just points it out to you. The law, it illuminates our issue, but it gives no remedy. That's what it didn't do. It's almost like this. You know, a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it was really bad in our neighborhood because everybody was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Uh, but but our, internet, our internet went out, okay? Now, you know, today's, um, my internet's out was, you know, my, when I grew up, it was the power's out and it's cold. That was, that's the reference today. That's how bad kids have it. Back in the day, if the power went out and it was cold, dude, we were getting a fire. I've cooked on, uh, when we were in Ohio one time, we had 27 inches of snow. What kind of horrible people want to live where there's 27 inches of snow all the time? I mean, really, no wonder those people are so uptight up there. I mean, it's really bad. 27 inches of snow, and there was no power. And we lived out in the country. And we were, I cooked, we cooked on, a, on our fireplace. And we slept in there. It was, it was crazy stuff. It really was. But our, our internet was out. And so it would be like the guy would come out. I'd you know, call, hey, my internet's out. He'd come out and say, hey, listen, I want to tell you something. Um, here's the problem. You, the line going from your house to the box over there, it's broken. And me saying, okay, great. And then him saying, well, appreciate it, man. I'm out. See ya. What would you do? If your kids are at home wanting to do schoolwork and driving you crazy, I'll tell you what you do. You would tackle him halfway to the truck. And you would say, listen, man, I need to know how to fix it. Are you going to fix this? Who's going to fix this? Who's going to fix this? And that's the same question they were asking. Who's going to fix this? Are we going to live this way? Are we going to live? Who's going to fix this? Because the law, the mountain they were up on, there was no remedy. It's the checklist of religion. I've talked to you guys about this before. A lot of us walk around with a checklist it was interesting. I'll tell you an interesting story. And I don't, I don't share this very much. I definitely don't share it lightly. But I'll tell you this. I was at a wedding. I was in a wedding. Uh, I guess it was in August. I don't even remember when it was. It was maybe August or something like that. And at the wedding, there was, uh, there was alcohol served. Now, it's a Christian couple. There were alcohol served. Okay? There was wine served. And it was funny because some of the people that I know and I love... Here was their response to alcohol being served. <gasps> Can you believe that? 
they're serving wine. And I was like, well, don't look now, but I think my wife may have a glass. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I, I, I'd hope you don't go looking at the Bible if you're offended by wine. Because it's probably going to step on your toes. Now, we know it says not to, you know, exceed, but that's like a religious checklist thing. You know, it's almost like that thing. I, you know, I don't, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or associate with those that do. Isn't that what they? Isn't it what it is? I'll do that. Can I tell you something? None of that stuff makes you loved by God any more or any less. And none of that stuff, none of that stuff draws you closer. None of that stuff draws you closer to God. Do you know what draws you closer to God? Jesus Christ. And him crucified. That's what draws you closer. And you're, you're following Jesus. That's what draws you closer. The law, your checklist. If you have a checklist of I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this and this. Every day. You need to take that and throw it away. Because it's worthless. It's worthless. God's not impressed. He's not. Now if Christ were to pull at your heart and say... I think that you need to separate from this or or I want I am trying to draw you to me and part of you drawing to me. Hey, listen, here's the situation. Maybe, maybe you do have a problem with alcohol, a real problem. Then Christ is going to come in and he's going to say, listen, this is become an idol to you and is in the place of in replace. It's, it's replaced me and I need to draw you away from that. And that's when you lay it down. But you don't lay it down because there's some rule or regulation that someone told you about that if you do, it makes you a better Christian. Can I tell you something? There is no such thing as a better Christian. I had someone ask me one time, someone said, so, you know, do you think I'm a good Christian? And I said, no. They were like, why not? I'm like, I don't think I'm a good Christian. I don't think anybody's a good Christian. I think we all, we all are dependent on Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I think. The law is a diagnostic. It's not a remedy. But I got good news for you. Jesus is the remedy. I want you to get that. Jesus is the remedy. Here's what Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 says. Turn there with me. Ephesians, well, it'll be on the back wall. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 says this. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, here it is, we can now come boldly, and I love this part, and confidently into God's presence. Do you see the difference between Zion and Sinai? Sinai was, if you put your foot, if you put your foot on that mountain, you're going to die. And don't tell God to even talk to us anymore. And the difference is, is that we can now, because of what? Christ and our faith. We talked about faith a couple, about a, about a month ago. Faith, our faith in him, we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. No more fear. 
No more fear. Hebrews chapter 12, we talked about this, verses 23 and 24. Here's what it says. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. And you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and his people. Remember the struggle in Galatians? We went through the book of Galatians. I know it seemed like it was four years ago. It wasn't. It was only about a year ago we went through the book of Galatians. And remember the struggle in Galatians? Some people from Jerusalem had went out to the area. They had told them, you have to also follow the rules. You have to also follow the rules of the the law. So you have Jesus plus the law. All right? Jesus plus the law. You remember that? You remember that thing that they were doing? Well, here's what it says. Here's what it says, Galatians 5.1. Paul says this. Galatians 5.1 says this. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Free from what? Free from what? Free from the bondage of sin. Free from having to constantly keep the law. That's what he set us free from. Here's the, here's the funny thing. If you, if, you, if you had laws in your house, and you have rules in your house, to follow, to follow, but if you had laws in your, you would never be a good parent. You would never. Why? Because you want your kids to eventually to be set free, and you want the you want the laws to be written on their heart, not in their minds. You want the the morality to be written on their heart, not in their minds. You have been set free. Now make sure. Here you go. Make sure that you stay free, and don't get tied up again in slavery to what. The law. Don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Make sure that you stay free. What is Mount Sinai? Having your ladder up against Mount Sinai, what does that bring you? Well, I'll tell you what it brings you. You're still in the desert. They're still in the desert. Don't forget Mount Sinai was in the desert. It was in the desert. It was a portion of the desert. It wasn't the promised land. They hadn't made it to the promised land yet. And you know what else they were doing? They were still wandering around. They were wandering all around. They were wandering aimlessly trying to do this or do that by their own knowledge. And it's one of the reasons why they had to stay. They were also fearful. They were fearful. Fearful of what what would happen to them. Fearful constantly. Do you know anyone? Do you know anyone who's wandering around right now constantly fearful? Are you wandering around right now constantly fearful? You don't have to be. You don't have to be at all. You know why? Because Mount Zion is this. You know what Mount Zion is? It's a city on a hill. That's what it is. It's a light of the world. It's a city of the hill. Not because of the city itself, but because of the occupant, Christ, who is there. Remember when he, he, named, he, when he said that, he said, you're the light of the world, the city on a hill. Remember what he was doing? We talked about this a couple of years ago. He was standing, he was standing by one of the big lamps in, in, in the temple area, he was standing by one of the big lamps, and it was it lit up. You could see it for miles and miles and miles and miles. Miles and miles you could see it, and it was lit up all over. People could see it from all over. That's what he is, and that's what you're to be. You are a city on a hill. It brings freedom. And most importantly, especially during this time, it brings hope. Well, you may say, well, how does it bring hope? Well, we talked about how it brings hope in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's bring that up. Hebrews chapter 6. Here's what it says. This is my wife's favorite verse in all of the Bible. The hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through what? 
through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. All right. And let's go on to verse 20. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. How it brings hope. How is Jesus the remedy? Well, here's how Jesus is the remedy. The separation between God and us is now broken because of the tear in the curtain. And we looked at that, the tear in the curtain from the top to the bottom. It covered between between the inner sanctum and the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. That has now been opened up. And we too, we too can enter in and connect with God. We too can have hope. We too can have freedom. Not because of anything we did and definitely not because of the law, but because of what Christ did for us. He is the keeper, not only of the law, that's what a king does, but also holiness, which is what a priest does. That's why it says in the order of Melchizedek, in the order of Melchizedek, because remember what Melchizedek was in the Old Testament? He was a king and he was a priest. And Jesus is the only one that can have that, have that label. Not only is the law a diagnostic and Jesus is a remedy. And this is something I want, if you don't hear anything else in the whole message, if you don't hear anything else, and if you don't listen to anything else, I want you to listen to this. Can we go ahead and bring it up? Here's what it says. Only, only, only Jesus can make you everything God wants you to be. I want you to hear that again. Only Jesus can make you everything God wants you to be. Only Jesus can make you everything God wants you to be. Titus 3 says this, starting in verse 4. It's it's Titus 3 verses 4 through 7. Titus is not a book we look at a lot. It says, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because, hear this, not because of of the righteous things we had done, but because of what his mercy, he washed away our sin, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ Jesus our Savior And then verse 7 says, because of his grace, he declared us righteous, and here it is, and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. You and I don't have to walk around wondering if we're going to inherit eternal life. We don't have to walk around wondering if God has a plan and purpose for our lives. Because, Because of what Christ did, he then opened up the connection between us and God, and we can have full uh, favor to know, and we can be guaranteed to know that, that, that we will live a life. But here's the key. You can only be who God wants you to be through Christ, period, period. Not through your own hard work, not through, not, not at all. Galatians, uh, uh, let, let me go to Philippians. Philippians 4 says this. Philippians 4, I know I'm Bible thumping you today, but we need it. Uh, I know how to live on almost nothing or, or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And then it says this, and everybody knows this verse, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's saying this, I want to tell you something. You, I will teach you, I will teach you. You can, you can, you can, you can have a lot, you can have a little. I'm going to teach you. That you can do all things through me. If you'll connect with me, I will show you 
that you can do all things. You can do, God's not going to write out a plan and purpose for your life. He's not going to put you on a path and then take you another, another direction that you're not supposed to be on. Or say, hey, why don't you go down this path? And all of a sudden you're like, well, I just can't do it. Well, the truth of the matter is, is if you take, if you stick to God's power, you can do it. You can do it. Remember the law is a diagnostic. Jesus is the remedy and only Jesus can make you everything God wants you to be. I, um, I talked to a young lady this week that was struggling. I talked to a young lady that was, that was struggling. She was struggling a lot. Um, she had had a traumatic event happen to her uh, physically. You know, she had to have a surgery, and, and it, was really, it was really hard, and it was really stressful for her. She was, she was not in a, in a great place. You know, she's a believer. She loves Jesus. She was not in a great place. And so I had to encourage her. I had to encourage her this week. I had to encourage her. That a lot of times what we think, what we think God's plan is for our life, a lot of times that can change because God will have it turn another direction. And it's not until you look back over years and you thank God that you didn't go that other direction. You think that God has a plan and purpose for your life. You think, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this. And this is how it's all going to unfold. And God said, well, listen, that sounds pretty good to me too. The only problem is, is that I want, I want you, if you are fully submitted to me, I want you to walk that out. I want you to walk it out. And by walking it out, it means you trust me with the outcome. You trust me with the outcome. See, on Sinai, it was rule, 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 rule. On Zion, it's faith, 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 faith. It's obedience. It's trust. I trust you with the outcome, God. And so I was telling her, I was saying, listen, who, who knows what God's trying to do? I know in my own life, in my own life, I know that God, that God has protected me from various things. He has protected me because my desires got too far ahead of God's plan. When my desires go past God's plan, oftentimes, you know what happens? I stumble and I fall. And a lot of times, you know what it takes for me to wake back up? A kick in the pants. A kick in the pants from God. Don't forget this. God, his economy wastes nothing. His economy wastes nothing. Nothing. And he will get you to where you need to go. Not because you're following a rule or a regulation, but because you're obedient to what he wants you to do. I asked this young lady, and I'll ask you too, when have you grown the most emotionally and spiritually? When everything's going great? No. No. You know when you've grown the most? When there's a trial and a tribulation and there's stress. Here's the truth of the matter. You have grown the most spiritually whenever you were the most dependent on Christ. And that's a fact. It's a fact for you and it's a fact for me.
So don't put your ladder on your own stuff. Maybe you're talented at one area or another. Great. Do that for the glory of God and don't put your ladder on what you can do. Put your ladder not on Sinai. Put your ladder on Zion. Where there is hope and encouragement and peace that you know you're in the perfect plan for God. That's what I want to encourage you with today. And that's what I hope you embrace from God's sacrifice of Christ, his only son. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much for who you are. God, I'm so thankful. And this is going to sound weird, Lord, but I'm thankful for the hard times. I am. I'm thankful for the hard times. I'm thankful that you love me enough and you love us enough here to allow us to experience trials. To allow us to experience things that are, that are, that are tough. God, I'm so thankful that we don't have to live a life where we are constantly going through the motions of religion. We're constantly going through the motions of checklist. We're constantly going through the motions of, if I got up and did this and this and this and this, then I am holy. Well, God, that's just not the case because there's nothing we can do to make ourselves holy. It's only connecting with you and allowing you to cover us that makes us even be able to approach holiness. God, let us as people not, let us as people not continually try to make you out to be some kind of of authoritarian checklist God, because that's not who you are. There's things that you want for our lives, Lord, but you're patient and you're loving and you're kind. So much so that you sent your only son to cover what we couldn't cover ourselves. Our full dependence on Jesus, God, is what you're after. God, let us be an example for other people. And let us not draw away from the word, your word. Let us listen to its wisdom and counsel. And let us experience you in real life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be down front. If there's anyone who would like prayer, I'll be down front. Nothing magical about that. But if you come up here, listen, I want to encourage you, don't leave the same way you came in. Don't leave the same way you came in. Let's stand up for a final worship song, and you can join me down front if you need prayer. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.